Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Um, my name is David Taylor. I'm going to be the moderator today. Um, I'm with the Office of the CSO Field Security Team, or Customer Security and Trust Team. That's normally uh, actually uh, entitled as. But uh, we hope that uh, this session, or actually today's events at the Fed Forum, has been informative, you know, thoughtful speakers, really great to see some familiar faces. But today we're going to get into our favorite topic, um, ATOs. <laughs> um, I'm myself, we kind of segue into what this topic is today. So I'm one of the three approvers um, to go ahead and you know, allow, you know, federal app instances uh, to be, you know, released to customers and so forth. But uh, we had a really interesting dialogue with these gentlemen in terms of how to uh, manage ATOs. Let me go with some housekeeping um, items. Um, I know this is our last session before everyone starts drinking. So I know I know please feel free just come out to uh, the networking uh, reception tonight. Really would uh, appreciate your presence there. So let's get into our intros. Um, I need a, a picture. Because I've never been with a camera that liked me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm gonna start with I'm gonna start with Alex Pinch. He is a real veteran who spent his years on both the innovation and acquisition side of the court. Uh, and I many organizations through digital transformation, uh, turning business challenges into strategic growth as a service now enterprise account executive. I don't know what any of that really means. There's Marine. At some point, I don't know. Is also a Marine veteran with supply chain logistics and operations experience. He's retired from the Marine Corps, or he did retire from the Marine Corps in 2010. He's worked in IT acquisition since 2000. Uh, actually, I have it backwards. Yeah, 2009, he retired, right? And then now he's worked in IT acquisition since 2010. Um, his significant projects include virtualizing the you know, United States Marine Corps data centers and still have the well-known Marine Corps uh, software factory called uh, MC Boss, for those of you who are familiar with that. I'm not done yet. Um, maybe one of the few people who actually know what that is. He also took over the government's needs uh, of PLO Digital's uh, ServiceNow platform for Linux and has worked to expand the offering and streamlining the process through automation. Guys, welcome. So, we are actually just launching to a really easy softball question, and that question is, what's a misconception, and I'll start with that, Byron, maybe I'm going to add in if you want, um, what sort of misconceptions that you see when it comes to managing ATOs in the context of different types of cloud models like SaaS, PaaS, and, and infrastructure as a service? Probably that having a provisional authority or having an as-of-service designation equals an ATO. It, you know, it's one of the controls that we look at to have an ATO, but to get to ATO is, is a much deeper dive. Um, the inheritance model is beautiful, and we make extensive use of it uh, within the, the Naval Enterprise ATO, um, but 
getting to ATO is a long process and that is why we've like we've kind of gone into our enterprise model so that we can save as many people as possible from that little ring of hell. Right. <laughs> I mean, actually, I would, I would actually also add when it comes to that sort of uh, explanation, the, the, the misconception that I've seen um, is an area of like the shared responsibility, right? Yes. So shared responsibility is a big thing. And so it's really critical to have like say what, what ServiceNow has is a customer responsibility matrix. So as Van and Alex, they kind of maneuver through the waters of an ATO, they're able to take a look at our, you know, our CRM or customer responsibility matrix to understand what responsibilities does the service provider has, but also what Van's organization will consist of or what they're gonna be on the hook for. And I think with that too, the challenge that Van's team often faces is they have to digest that customer responsibility matrix, not just for how the PEO operates to get the ATO, but then how do other Navy customers who are now a ServiceNow customer and a PEO digital customer, what are their shared responsibilities? What do they have to accept? And how does the organization, the enterprise organization support that? Um, and then the other side of it too is time to value, time right. to ATO. Uh, you know, a lot of times the averages, you're looking at a year and a half or so. They did it in, I wanna say it was like 92 days. Now it was a, it was a crunch, but it was accelerated. And I think because a lot of things already exist. Because it, it was the number one priority of the NAO at the time, and they put it to the top of the uh, list. Because it's, it's a long list, and I won't even say it's distinguished. But um, getting to that, really what I want to talk to folks about today is the business value of our enterprise model. And Alex's point there is that it takes 18 months, and we've estimated anywhere from 1.5 to about $3 million to get to an ATO. So if somebody else already has an ATO, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to spend that much time, that much money, that much effort, um, live that much time in that outer ring of hell that I spoke of <laughs> when, like I say, somebody else has already done it? So that's what we've done with our within the naval enterprise is we took your provisional authority, we added the DISA controls, we added the SCCA controls, then we went and answered the last little piece of that for the, the Naval Authorization Office, the NAO, so that we're dealing with maybe 10% of the total controls to get to that ATO, and our customers, are dealing with maybe 1% of the controls. They just have to make sure that they're complying with what we're doing, what we're providing. They don't have to do all that other work. And we can onboard a customer, usually from start to finish, we're done within 90 days. So 90 days to ATO fully operational capability or 18 months to fully operational capability, we provide DevSecOps capabilities, we are DevSec and, and uh, production uh, instances, and we do that across the enterprise for both Navy and Marine Corps. So that's, that's really the, the big business value that we get out of this is that we're saving all of our customers literally tens of millions of dollars. And then within that, just keeping an ATO up every year. I'm sure some of you folks out here have to do that. 
Annual security controls, how much fun is that? Getting your ATO renewed every three years, that's a lot of fun too. Well, if somebody else is going to do that for you, how much are you willing to pay for that every year? Right. We charge our customers, you know, we've got, we've got some different instances, but less than $50,000 a year for that service. So again, multiplying that across, we've got about 25 customers onboarding, we've got another 10 to 15 in the pipeline. That's two and a half, three million dollars a year that we're saving the enterprise cost avoidance. You know, million dollars here, million dollars there, pretty soon you're talking about real money. It definitely adds so, up. Yeah, and adds up, right? Yeah. 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 Um, actually, it's a good segue. I was wondering, I know you shared a little bit, I was wondering if you can share a little bit in terms of, you know, what sort of, um, um, sort of lessons learned or things that were overlooked, you know, as you kind of maneuvered or just kind of gone through that whole journey of, of obtaining your authorization as an agency? Can I pivot a little bit here to sure. the, so I think, I think the RMF process is pretty well understood. What you, what you need to do, the ISSAs, the ISSCs, they, they know what they need to do to get you there. It's not a fun process. It's painful and it's time consuming and it's expensive as we've talked about. But there's not a whole lot of mystery in getting an ATO. It's just, you know, a lot of little death of a thousand cuts kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but you get there. The thing that we're struggling with is, is the business model of how do you implement that and make it pay for itself when you're not a service center? You know, I don't know. The, the Navy has service centers and they've, they're set up to bring money in. And, but we at PEO Digital and particularly down at uh, um, the Platform Application Services, which is the branch of PEO Digital that provides the snazzy service. <laughs> um, or I should have said snazzy yeah. with jazz or hands. Or jazz hands. Jazz hands, um, yeah. Snazzy. That would have been better. That's, that's my project. It's the service now as a service enterprise snazzy. And you got to say it with jazz hands, otherwise it's <laughs> just not as much fun. Um, the thing that we've struggled with the most in implementing that business model is the fee-for-service piece. And so what I would advise anyone who's going to go down this path, and I think really everyone should, is make sure you have a fee-for-service model that is efficient and effective. We got there but God bless Laura Reed, who was our uh, business financial manager. The way we were currently, the way we are currently set up, and we're going back to the drawing board to uh, revamp this entire model. But it was literally a series of one-off processes. Everyone, depending upon color of money, depending upon what echelon they were, et cetera, et cetera, made it a different process for each individual. And what does ServiceNow do? It gives you, you know, it's nice processes and it's process oriented and all that. Well, maybe we should have got the product before we developed the, uh, the pay model. But um, it was very painful. And we, like say, we backed off this year and, and we're looking to re-implement the fee for service. But that would be the number one thing is figure out how you're going to pay for it. Everyone says, oh, it's fee for service. Well, that brings a whole nother set of, uh, of challenges to work through to get to 
an efficient, an efficient and effective way of doing that. So um, by all means, you can, this is not difficult. Our cost card is, you know, you, you start going through there and it makes sense. It's perfectly, you know, you, as a customer, they go through, oh yeah, this is, makes good sense. We're, we're not overcharging. We're not charging for stuff that doesn't make sense to the customer. But at the end of the day, you've got to be able to get those funds. No matter how reasonable it is, it, there needs to be a way to do that. So the one, the biggest lesson learned for us is to, to start with uh, the end in mind in terms of your fee-for-service model and how do you do that. Um, it's all well and good to, to say you're as a service, but yeah. and, unless you're in an organization that is not adopting the operational model that DOD is, which is that your warfighters, your, your operational forces, pay for the services. You're only paying for things that you're using that way. And that was what we had in mind, but the, the hierarchy of administration, if you will, the, the financial hierarchy within the Navy just did not, was not conducive to that fee-for-service model. So gotcha. that's our biggest, that's the biggest hurdle that we're facing right now. And um, that's, so the advice that I would give in terms of lessons learned, know how to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Alex, I'm going to uh, Yeah, I think you. to that vein too, though, it's, uh, it's also, you know, we're asking a, an, an internal organization to sell itself, you know, so really was uh, some of the things we learned is communication. How do we, you know, collectively as partners make sure that the other parts of the Navy and Marine Corps understand what the ATO is and what their responsibilities are? Um, so to, like, to the point where I was, you know, now as the account executive, I have no RMF experience, I will tell you that. I tried to avoid it when I was in the Marine Corps, <laughs> and now I feel like I'm uh, eyeball deep in it almost every day. And uh, creating a document to share with my own internal team so that they can understand, hey, when your customer asks you, this is, this is what this means. So some of it is also, how do you sell that mm -hmm. to, the, to the rest of the Navy? Because a lot of times, People just don't understand. They see service now. They're like, oh, okay, we've got an ATO, but what does that really mean? Wait, why should I pay PEO Digital for an ATO? And it's like, well, because you could alternatively do it yourself. And to Van's point, <laughs> you're going to spend, you know, 15x or more on a uh, on an ATO to do it yourself. So it's helping them sell the value in an enterprise offering, but the but the time to value for everything is is way faster. So. I think the biggest, one of the biggest hurdles from my side that we faced was just that communication aspect internally amongst ServiceNow, right. between ServiceNow and PEO Digital, and then with the rest of, the, with rest of uh, Navy and the Marine Corps as well. It, cool. He brings up a point, that, something that I'll play off there. The internal communication is another, there's a value added piece there in that when he talks to the Naval Enterprise, he's talking to one, there's one belly button to push. That's us. When you talk to other organizations, there's multiple ATOs that you have to deal with. And so that, that turnaround time between, oh, we've got an issue to, okay, we've got the right people working it and we've got a resolution is much shorter when you're dealing with one ATO in, com in comparison to multiple ATOs across the, the enterprise. So you're really, um, you're, you're, you're building or you've built a blueprint 
in terms of how other organizations are t- able to create their own, um, I would say, what, an ATO as a service, right? Mm-hmm. And now those sub-agencies or sub-orgs can essentially you know, adopt or inherit you know, that respective ATO. Um, Alex, a question for you. So you and I, we've, we've collaborated a couple mm-hmm. times. We shared ideas. Um, what sort of things that you can share, maybe we haven't talked about today, that, <laughs> we, that you were able to help Van navigate as they were kind of going through this sort of phase? Um, so I think you know some of it is the communications, like I addressed. Yep. Uh, other sides of it is also just making sure reach back to you know to our collaborations of finding the right people internally. Like like I said, I'm not a security expert. You know I I rely on David for that and uh, and making sure that we're pulling in the right resources and it does make it a lot more efficient. And we got greater buy-in, I'll say, from the rest of ServiceNow as a as a company. Because now, to Van's point, we only have that one belly button, that only one organization that we really have to work with. All the scans that need to be done, you know, I like just cyber to command, that up, yeah. you know, like they want to do scans all the time. Well, if any of you are familiar with the sort of our scan policy, you get a 30-day window for once a year. Right. Well, what we propositioned to them is like, look, we have one entity that's managing the authority to operate for 30-some customers. So... How about we just allow, instead of 30 different customers coming to you each with their own 30-day window, how about we just give PEO Digital the year window to do, do scans? And it's like, okay, we can, we can, that's actually less work on the security team. Oh, right? I was going to say, yeah, that really would help us out a lot. So, yeah. especially yeah. our support teams, right, that are fielding yeah. those cases as those pen test record or requests are being spun up. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, you're done? I'm done. Okay, good. <laughs> Just make sure. I, don't want to I mean, I can keep going, but it'll be nonsense. <laughs> oh, I know you can. Um, uh, Van, I was wondering maybe, you know, this is, this is something that I get, I understand, but Architecture, perhaps, yay! Yes. So I was Someone out here was like, are you going to go deep in the ATOs? And I'm like, no. <laughs> don't do that. But this is our, what you're seeing here is our basic architecture. Um, so... We're the, the green box is the ServiceNow um, element of this, and that's the, the government commercial cloud offering and the FedRAMP and all of the bits that we inherit from them. We then, from the green box, you slide over into the light blue box, which is our now, now back Azure environment. That's the authentication piece of the puzzle. So. We have it set up so that anyone with a CAT card, whether you're on a government computer or whether you're sitting at your home computer as a, as a contractor, can take their, na- their, their uh, card, their CAT card, and with that, they can log into our portal, into the cloud.navy.mil portal. And that will give them their uh, ServiceNow account on the enterprise server. From there, if, if they're a basic user, all of their permissions are automated and put on that, on that account for them. They can get in and they can start doing the, the whether it's an agile, uh, using the agile module or whatever they want to do within, AT, within the, uh, the enterprise instance, they can, 
they can do that. If they need additional permissions, or if they're going to one of our dedicated instances, which is also in the green box there, so we're kind of set up, we are set up so that we have our enterprise instance, and then we have a number of dedicated instances, and that's how we divide our customers. So our enterprise customers are the folks that only need to use the modules, the ServiceNow modules that we offer at the enterprise level, that we're licensed at the enterprise level for. And they're willing to give up some degrees of control to, our, to my enterprise team. We also have our dedicated instances, and that's the folks who want to do something that we don't currently offer as an enterprise capability, or that they want to maintain control of, or that they're they're doing what we call a use case three, which means they're connecting to outside services. Control mechanisms there. So if you're a dedicated user, or you have a dedicated instance, you're a dedicated customer, that's your instance. It's under our ATO, but you own all the admin underneath there. You do all your customer, uh, all your user management, all your user admin. You have your sysadmin in that dedicated instance. And then you inherit that last level of controls mm -hmm. for that capability. But you're still falling underneath our ATO, under the SS SCCA capability, DISA, et cetera. So all of that it gets inherited as a dedicated instance. And um, that's, that's there in the green box. Um, but so that's, the, it, that's where you get your... As a user, that's where you get your uh, rights, you know, where, where you need to go in. If you need to be able to write, if you need to be able to do coding, et cetera, et cetera, you get those admin rights from your administrator, whether that's us as the, sorry about that, uh, whether that's us as the enterprise or as a dedicated user, you get that from your, your team there. So, um, and that's really the, from a 10,000 foot view, that is how simple our, our architecture is there. And that's typically the architecture we see. I mean, Alex and I, we've, we've talked to multiple customers. You have users from the internet. How are they getting in? Maybe you have a warfighter whose spouse, they need access to the ServiceNow instance. How do they get through? Because they don't have a CAT card. Well, there is a whitelisting process that exists. You'd have mm -hmm. to kind of go through it, get an approval from the DOD CIO, and off you're running. But then if you're in the Nippernet, right, you're, you already are vetted. Yep. Right. So there's this, uh, you know, so we have, you know, um, implemented or supported this zero trust. There's that word again, right, that Ben talked about earlier, right? Drink that Kool-Aid. <laughs> so at every level, there's, there's different, you know, sort of implementations or principles of zero trust nested in each and every one of these boxes. So it's definitely something that's there. Um, so the question I would have is, how many green boxes do you deal with with other agencies? A lot. We have one green box and a whole bunch of little blue boxes. Yeah. Everyone else has a whole bunch of green boxes. So that's really, I mean, in a nutshell, that's the difference between what we're doing and what we think other agencies are and doing. And I love how you have the bottom um, labeled, the PEOD or DEX, right? Is that yeah. what it is? Yeah. Um, as an ATO boundary. This is really you know, um, interesting or distinct in that ServiceNow, we have our own provisional authorization, which it's a, it's a PATO. Um, that gives the assurances for agencies like VANS 
they're able to inherit our controls and now they're able to kind of like i wouldn't say fast track but more more so streamline their ato journey right so we have all the documentation a, a lot there's been a lot of work a lot of blood sweat and tears you know poured in from our compliance team justin matteo and uh, Shamira in the back there, you know, kind of just looking at me, making sure I'm saying things correctly. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a team effort, but in terms of these boundaries, I, I like the, the fact that you have your own ATO boundary to really um, accentuate the fact that you have leveraged ServiceNow's ATO, and now you have that last mile of security controls, such as implementing multi-factor authentication and so forth. It stems back to the customer responsibility matrix that I talked about earlier, right? Mm -hmm. So we're probably going to do 75% of the controls as a service provider, but then the other remaining portion, this is where Vans organization will step in uh, and en route to their, their ATO. The interesting thing with this, though, too, is so there's, there's cost benefits associated with this. So one of the things actually getting back to like early challenges uh, the NAVFAC, it sits on an F5, and that's what does break and inspect. It does authorization, or it does, uh, yeah, yep, yep. Uh, authentication uh, for the users. That was sitting in an Azure tenant that regularly went down. So now the HAA that we would normally provide isn't there, but it's right. not a ServiceNow problem. And it wasn't a PEO digital problem either. It was another organization that they were leaning on to do it. So that took... Uh, that took some time and coordination and some understanding across the board to get it up to speed where now it doesn't become a regular burden on everybody. Um, and with that, you are reliant on the authentication uh, tool set that, the, that that ATO service provider has. So, uh, you know, but we're even over the course of this next year, we'll be looking or maybe two, we'll be looking at different ways to do it because now we have uh, integrations into like their Azure Active Directory. So now we can look at things like single sign-on right. and other ways to do it. So, yep. um, but the benefit of that is integrations across the board. So like that Azure Active Directory integration, even though it goes into PEO Digital's instance, well, any other instance that's in that ATO boundary can now use it, mm -hmm. right? Uh, mid servers. If you're point, uh, deploying it's a mid servers, it's it's a uh, as long as it's on a 443 port and protocol. Uh, the only thing that needs that uh, Vans ISSM Barbara needs is an ATO of that mid server on wherever whatever environment it's sitting on, and then she can approve it. So the streamlining of a lot of these things, the store, like if we um, if a if a customer needs to use a store item that's not if it's ServiceNow provided. It's, it's a use case one approval. Yep. And then if, if it it's is, in the Fed store, if yeah. it's in the Fed store, right. yeah. and then if it's a third party, as long as it's a, as long as it's a US made Fed store item, it goes through the use case two process, I right. think, and goes through the NAO for final approval. But we're talking weeks of, weeks of time to value vice, everybody having to do it. And once it's approved, now everybody can use it. So right. you get economies of scale across the board that way too. Right. So we, I know we have, we're coming up on time. We've got seven minutes left. So maybe we could take one. Well, maybe before two. we go there, okay, sorry. <laughs> I want to I like, get on my soapbox. Okay, good. Go, go for it. Because I think what we did is really good. I like the idea that... So you're bragging idea, right now. I'm bragging. <laughs> and I, I say we, but, but 
I'm, I'm riding on the shoulders of many other folks. I'm not, I'm not a smart guy and you can't make me. So, <laughs> but what, what we've done as the Navy, not me, but the Navy, the Naval Enterprise, Navy Marine Corps, we've created a model that, as we've talked about here today, avoids a lot of cost for a lot of people. Cost in time, cost in money, cost in manpower, cost in miss opportunities. So as we, and one thing we didn't talk about here, it's on the slide, we're an IL-4 and IL-2 right. capability. We're on the cusp of IL-5 and IL-6 implementation across the DOD. I imagine there's some other DOD agencies out here today. Anybody? Anybody from other DOD agencies out here? What if we applied this model instead of just across the naval enterprise and started looking at it as a DOD right. thing? And we sat down with the Air Force and we sat down with the Army and we started saying, hey, if we develop this, this ATO, let's have reciprocity. Let's do this at not as an enterprise, naval enterprise, but as a DOD enterprise so that we don't all have to do this. And we don't all have to go through the pain of getting to an ATO. And the, we talked about, the, this was kind of a, a light bulb. It was like, I knew it, but it didn't really ring for me. You guys have all heard the, the, you know, the, the idea of the data lake. Well, this ATO allows us to have a unified data lake that allows us to, to delve into the data that we're creating as we populate all of our ServiceNow applications. And if we can do that at the, at the naval level, why can't we do that at a DOD level? And, and what kind of value can we drive from that if we turn AI and machine learning onto that data lake? There's, I, I don't know, I just think that there's a huge untapped potential here that not only in just doing the ATO piece, but what are the follow-on? What are the knock-on advantages that we get from thinking outside the box, from starting to, to not just be these stovepipe organizations that do everything on our own? And I know I may be this kind of crazy talk, <laughs> I know, but uh, you know, what is the realm of the possibility here? What can we do? Right, right. So. Oh, we got four minutes left, so is there one question? Oh, she, rose, she raised her hand first. All right. All right. You got the floor. What's your question? So I'm going to use like our, we've just upgraded, we've, our, serve, our San Diego upgrade will go live, I think, uh, tomorrow. Um, Tokyo. Tokyo, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, we already did San Diego. Right. I, I was going to say, wait a minute. <laughs> well, the thing is, the thing is, the advantages that we're doing here, we had Tokyo scheduled for October on our mm -hmm. timeline, and we will have it implemented I believe it fully yeah. implemented tomorrow, um, which is again two days ahead of schedule because we had uh, said we were going to do it by the by Wednesday of this week. So we're we're ahead of schedule, ahead of schedule, which is a great thing. But for for our Tokyo upgrade, what we do is we put out a schedule 
to all of our customers, whether you're an enterprise customer or whether you're a dedicated customer. We say, okay, this is the day we go to code freeze. So have everything backed up by then. Give us, for our dedicated customers, give us your timeline to implement the changes. We give them a gold disk that has all of the ATO upgrades, all the changes that we need to do for our controls. That's given to them. All they have to do is implement it and tell us that it's done. Does that answer your question? Yeah, so the, the gold disk that Van talks about is really just a separate dedicated uh, dev instance of ServiceNow. So we set that up for them. Um, and that is solely dedicated to the security controls that they have to push. So all that, so that's where they drive all of it out of is to every other instance. They push it into dev and then those customers run it through their stack. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed this uh, session. Yeah. Thank uh, thanks everyone for your attention. Uh, happy drinking and uh, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Yeah. Good, good.